You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning, Las Vegas. And welcome to another edition of The Scoop. I think I might be up a little early today. We know it's early, but I sound like I'm up early. At any rate, I hope you have your coffee or your tea, your scone or your blueberry muffin or whatever it is you like to enjoy and you've settled in and you're ready for this conversation. This morning we have a good one for you. I have a good one for you. I am pleased to welcome to the studio Lynn Jasames, author, trainer, motivational speaker please join me in saying hello to lynn hi lynn good morning tanya thank you so much for this opportunity to share i'm so glad i'm an early bird i'm an early bird (laughs) (laughs) oh i know i know but you know it's summertime right and so i feel like summer mornings are the best part of the day it's a little cooler it's quiet it's fresh you can settle in you can clear your head out um and speaking of clearing out one's head you coach, you train people in trauma training. Yeah, I do. So I'm, I'm grateful that you've decided to come on the show today. And I hope that this show leaves people with some insight and enlightenment about how they can overcome. Your story is truly one of triumph. It's one of adversity, but triumph. And many people don't experience what you've experienced in terms of um, trauma, um, abuse, shock, um, change. It's... It's not that you're a chameleon, but you've just done so much to get to where you are. So I want to let you tell us a little bit about your story. And this started even as a child. I was looking at your history. Your father died when you were young. There was abuse. Can we talk about kind of how you became how you became who you are today? Well, one of the things um, that. One of my personal sayings I had, I remember it like yesterday because it still rings and echoes to me. I remember growing up and I've always felt like there was something bigger and better and more to my life than what was in front of me. I always had this concept, this idea, almost like a vision of this is not my story. Like this is not supposed to be my life. This is where I'm starting, right? But it was a sincere, real feeling that you're going to be able to do better. Like, this is not going to be your story or your children's story because I made a lot of vows that a lot of stuff that I experienced as a child that my children would never experience. So that kind of, you know, pushed me towards wanting to do better mm-hmm. um, or have a better life um, than what I was raised in. Let's set the stage. Um where were you born? Where are you from? So I'm actually from um, Los Angeles, California. I was born okay. at Memorial Hospital. Started mm-hmm. off in Long Beach in L.A. Okay, I had spent a little time in um, in Long Beach. Okay, in my twenties, um, I just left. You know, my twenties, but in my twenties, 
Um, how'd you end up? So childhood is in Los Angeles. Did you grow up there? Did you leave there as a child? Well, unfortunately, we ended up, me and my sisters, we actually ended up coming to Las Vegas because our grandparents, my great-grandmother lived here, and my, my grandfather, and maternal side, because my mom had went to prison. Oh, that's wow. Oh, God, that just yeah. kind of dawned on me. Yeah, so that's how I ended up in Las Vegas, because mm. they took care of us while my mom had served some time in prison. Oh, wow. And yeah. your dad had passed away when you were, how old were you? Oh, I was an infant. I wasn't even one years old. He had an asthma attack. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So here you are, a young girl. You're, you don't have your father, and your mother is, is incarcerated. Yeah. So you come here to live with your grandparents. And um, we always, you know, it's great when you have family that you can turn to. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the safe space that family is creating isn't the safe space, which is a little bit of your story, right? Well, you knocking on doors this morning because when I first, my first thought or feeling of life could be unfair is when my mom went to prison and when we came down here. Uh, my grandfather was a great man, an amazing man. And we was living with someone he knew. Um, why he went to work and we primarily lived with her and she definitely mistreated me and my sisters like we was forced to eat like (laughs) eat beans almost every day and if my grandfather brought us something her kids would like tear it up I remember watching one of her kids just let the air out of a ball he brought us and I just stood there and watched it and when my grandfather would come over she would just tell him mean things about us and when you're a child, you don't talk up, you don't say anything. And then he didn't really know us. So mm. how could he, you know, counteract what she was saying or even dispute it? But then he never talked to us either. And we was afraid. Because you know, that's the time when children were, it's a different time. Like mm-hmm. now I think we are much more prone to empower children to yes. speak, mm-hmm. to uh, make us aware Mm-hmm. of situations and spaces that make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when we had this blind trust, if you will. Absolutely. In all adults. Mm-hmm. And there was a level of respect that came with that. So you didn't question, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> especially if you thought it was an adult in your life that was an authority figure. Absolutely. A role model. It could absolutely tra- traumatize you, mm-hmm. um, shape your thoughts. I remember going through a similar situation when I was about 12 or 13. And an adult said something to me that was very hurtful and painful about my appearance, mm-hmm. which wasn't true. But it was a space for her of a bit of self-projection, maybe. But what she said hurt me for a very long time. But I didn't say anything about it because this was a trusted source. Right. So it had to be true. Yeah. Maybe there's something wrong with my thinking process. So children are very, um, you know, they can be, they're shaped easily. So this this growing up grandparent, now you're living with this person, your mom's in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the worst thing, I guess, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? Because I want to try to paint a picture a little bit of the hardship that you have gone through, but get into the greatness that you've achieved in spite of, because that's what you're all about. You're all about, you have a book. Um, three. It's called, your three <laughs> books. But one of them that I love was How to Beat the Odds from A to Z and what I really like was your tagline bet on yourself yes yes well I, I kind of adapted that mindset because I realized like if I didn't bet on myself there's no way I couldn't have became the Lynn just that I am today 
I couldn't have did it without believing in myself, betting on myself. And I like to add now, I always say I, um, I bet on God because I drop a lot of my um, stuff on him. So I'm like, I'm betting on you too, God. <laughs> but the whole mindset of, you know, betting on yourself to beat the odds. I, if I wouldn't have bet on myself, I could not have beat the odds. There was no way. So it's a combination of the two for me when I talk about it. But I come from what I would call hard places. I come from a place I grew up in the projects. So there was a lot of... Um, it seems like I, I knew everybody's secrets. Mm-hmm. and But also at the same time, I learned then that I could offer a level of balance to what they were sharing with me to make them feel better. And I think that's why it was a natural thing for me to when people talk to me, I could tell them something that I realized made them feel better. I knew everybody's secrets. I knew like what girl was messing with whose boyfriend behind the girl back. Like I knew a lot that I never just never disclosed I just carried all that stuff as a child but growing up in the projects you also deal with a lot of backstabbing a lot of um, fighting I I grew up around sex violence and drugs growing up in the projects and then that's when my mom had an accident and she started partaking in what started off as prescription medication and turned into street drugs Mm -hmm. and so that was the the start of our descent the downfall of the family that's what took the foundation yes it's hard enough to be in difficult neighborhoods and mm-hmm. stay um, a nuclear family, stay cohesive, stay connected. But when mm-hmm. you have the things that you're fighting against and you don't win mm-hmm. um, and you have to pivot, um, which essentially is what you had to do. You had to pivot um, to to go forward. So you mm-hmm. go through this trauma, the family abuse, the loss of parents, living um, with someone adjacent to your grandparents, although they're there, just there's all this stuff going on there for yeah. a child is hard to manage and hard to process. And at the same time, you're talking about knowing a lot and keeping a lot of secrets, but somewhere in there having sort of a a spirit, I guess, or vision that this, this isn't my life. It's going to mm-hmm. be better. So there's this burning um, inspiration that's living inside of you that propels you forward. Yeah, we're talking about all the trauma from a child, putting it in quick perspective. Tell us what you do now. So coming from so I was a teen mom. I had my first baby at 14 years old. So (laughs) I I talked about this today. Like I experienced, you know, just real mean stuff. By the time you're 13 and pregnant, you can't hide that part of your life and so it comes with stereotypes it comes with language and it's always negative you know you're 13 years old having a baby it's just nothing nice and pretty about it and your innocence is broken so even for girls who's 13 who's doing it they can still hide it if they never get pregnant so your sense of innocence you can kind of try to maintain it on the outside but I couldn't so I grew up in that space of someone always talking about me from being a teen mom entering foster care, entering ninth grade with no credits. Um, For the first time, I felt abandoned because the day I had my baby is when me and my baby went into care. By the time I aged out, I did have three more, um, two more children, which means I aged out at 18 with three children. And so it was just a bunch of, I would call it roller coaster rides, Mm -hmm. a lot of ups and downs, a a lot of um, dysfunctional relationships with men. And as a child, you don't even understand because I had the perception Okay, that I knew what I was doing as a child. You know, I thought I could handle it. And I kind of had to because my mom wasn't there. So you learn to survive. And through your learning to survive, you adapt this mentality that you can handle it and you got it and you know what you're doing when you really don't because you're a child, right? 
So during that time, experiencing sexual abuse um, and basically rape, um, being um, 12 years old and having a sexual encounter with a man that's in his 20s. At the time, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was doing something better than my friends. Like they have to go in and I get to stay outside late. But I was just bait for men. But you don't know that as a child, right? So you grow up with this sexual abuse, this rape, but you think you can handle it until life presents you with a situation and it slaps you in your face. And I shared this stuff in my book. And then you fast forward, you get in relationships and you're in domestic violence relationships and everything that you're being told, even the things as a child that you've adopted, you think you're still okay, like as an adult. And I think I talk about coping skills a lot. One of my coping mechanisms was to go to school, work all the time. So through transparency, looking at my life for the last um, few years, the reason why I could talk about trauma with someone's confidence because it's taken the last few years that I've had to come face to face with who I am and my life experience without ignoring it because I've slowed down. I'm not taking a bunch of classes. The kids are older. Um, I'm not working all the time like I used to, right? So then there's there's time when you got to deal with yourself. Recently, someone just asked me a question like, who are you? And I've heard this question a million times, but I felt like I felt it in my stomach. Like, did the did the question catch you off guard? Like, I don't know. Or I'm so many things. I just don't have a quick elevator answer to that question. Well, it wasn't a quick elevator answer for sure. But what it was a moment of you're asking at a time when everything spiritually is surrounding trans. um, um, transparency, trans, um, transitioning. You're asking me this question at a time when I'm personally working on pers- personal development, self-development, like strengthening it because I can give you the tools all day. I could sit down and talk to somebody and I've watched those people flourish just from us having a one-one or one or me pouring into somebody else's business idea and giving them the tools and the techniques. So I've been able to do that or give someone an answer that they could take it and leave and you watch a change for themselves. So then I sit back and look at my own life and say, ooh, you kind of been in your own way, but you're just coming to these realizations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Ooh. You're noticing that people make statements about things that you're doing and you watch yourself shut down. I mean, even to have someone tell me, tell me and, and all wholeheartedly, no pun intended, no malicious intent about it, but they were like, you the face of trauma. And it, it hurt, but they didn't mean to hurt me, right? And I just shut down talking about trauma on my, on my mm. social media. Um, I do a lot of coaching like early in the morning sometime and throughout the day with my mentees and stuff but that hit me and it was my first indication that you spend a lot of time feeling like you don't think what people say about you matter and it's been hitting you hard and you shut down but I'm so good at that outer one of my coping skills is to present myself well you know one of my coping skills is I'm good do you talk to people about um, disguises, if you will, right? So mm-hmm. here's my public face, mm-hmm. but you're teaching people coping. So all of the things that you're going through, I mean, this it's a part of life. Anytime mm-hmm. you get into the space where you're counseling or you're training, you're teaching, you're providing any type of therapy or any type of support, even as a friend, we're drawing on what we go through um, to relate to what a person is dealing with, even though the circumstances may not be identical. Mm-hmm. They're relatable and relative. So it's all of what you've gone through that helps you 
to be a trauma trainer, Mm -hmm. um, to speak on everything that you've gone through from a motivational space. And I've seen you come out to community workshops and talk to young girls and just young people in their teen years about um, the risk of society, the things that they will face, decisions that they need to make, being responsible, relationships, drugs, gangs, mm-hmm. um, academics, education, how they're presenting themselves, the thought processes, and the fact that um, choices breed consequences and every choice leads to um, an unspecified outcome. But if you're not careful on what that choice is, you reduce the options mm-hmm. and increase the consequences that may be negative. Yeah, that's funny. I'm in the middle of working on a book about choices. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, for me, too, like even in my coaching sessions and working with it, mostly primarily young lady, I've had a few men and they, they're just such a different level of teaching. But I'm grateful for the ones that I've had been able to coach that they're open. They're open and they're receptive to the things that I share. And they like that it's from a woman's perspective because it's usually relationship stuff. But I... um. The transparency piece comes in with me acknowledging like it is a daily journey to work on yourself. You don't wake up and be a whole person. You don't take a bunch of classes and then you're fixed or take a bunch of coaching classes or go to some training or go to therapy and then you're fixed every day. And that's what I had to remind myself like every day is about the work because it's a pace of self-care. I mean, and everyone's going through that. I mean. The trauma may not be um, losing your parent to incarceration or even mm-hmm. to death at a young age, um, going to live with a grandparent or being pregnant at a young age or just whatever it may be. But we all have something, whether it is at some point in life, death, mm-hmm. a strained relationship with a loved one, a marriage that didn't work, mm-hmm. um, a pregnancy that failed, something that tore down our marriage. We're all a job that didn't work out. You know, Mm -hmm. we're dealing with different things. And I think what's interesting to me about your journey is how as heavy as the issues are, they're relatable to so many things that people deal with. Mental health, anxiety, Mm -hmm. managing relationships, managing self-esteem. To go through that and to pull yourself up, you have a master's degree. I do. In um, business is it in business. Mm-hmm. So you have a master's in business administration. Um, you went to college. You got a, a, a bachelor's in a sociology. bachelor's in sociology, a master's in business. You've written multiple books. You've done multiple talks and shows. You travel. You present. You I got read. a TV show. You and have, I did radio. A TV show and you did radio. I mean, that's a lot of things to to be a young girl who goes through different types of abuse. That starts young. I mean, just losing a parent can make you feel lost, right? That's the mm-hmm. sense of home. Yeah. And now you're being rehomed. And even though you have your siblings, then you find yourself a mother at 13, 14? 13. Well, I was 14 when I had them. Yeah. 14. And then by 18, you are the mother of three. Yes. When you're really still figuring out, what is this thing called life? Right. So then you go and you travel this this path to figure out this thing called life for yourself. And along the way, what you've gone through I guess, motivated you to help other people mm-hmm. in similar circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And and you you want people to be better, you know, because you know what it's like to feel not better. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what it feels like to be low. You know what it feels like to be to feel like you're in a hole and you 
you need to see that light. But fortunate enough for me, the light has always been there. And it's not a physical person for me. It's um, I talk about hope. People need hope. And I talk about, you know, people, a spiritual practice in my book, How to Beat the Eyes from A to Z. I talk about the importance of having a spiritual practice. I'm, I'm not trying to force my religion on anybody. And I'm not telling people to go believe in God because those are my beliefs. But just having a spiritual practice helps with hope. Studies, information I've read about, um, things I've known, people who have hope, they're usually the ones with a spiritual practice, and they come out quicker than people without them. Mm -hmm. The people without them stay down longer. If not, they don't usually typically get back up sometime. So it's important that we know what we can gravitate to to pull ourselves up in my I've, you know, I'm the one that I'm talking to God and crying to God at two o'clock in the morning. But imagine if I didn't have that at two o'clock in the morning when I don't think anybody might answer. Right. Because that prayer closet is real. And, Absolutely. you know, to go into that space, because I believe in God, too. And that it, I mean, for me. Yeah. We were um, getting ready to talk about this and just talking about life. And I mentioned that I have had probably almost 30 surgeries. Yeah, you kind of floored me with that one. And uh, you were like 30. And uh, we were talking a little bit about, so my question after that is, okay, dear God, what's going on with my life? What do you want me to do? Because once you start to see what you go through and how it becomes a testimony, because it's not that you had an issue and you had surgery. It's that you had an issue, but you overcame the issue, whether it was surgery, loss, disappointment, um, relationship didn't work, marriage failed, maybe you lost your child, maybe you lost your parent. I think like, it's important, Tanya, just to, not to cut you yeah, off, to acknowledge but, that. So I like to talk to people about never minimizing the traumatic experiences that you have mm-hmm. and not categorize, categorize them and make them less than somebody else's because, one, everything impacts people different. Absolutely. And what might be a little, you know, scuff on the knee for you and a scratch could be a deep wound for That's someone right. else with similar circumstances. So uh, when we're talking about trauma, I, I like to, to the simplest form when you think about trauma is to think of something happening to you that is a threat to your survival, which means people, places and things can put you in a situation where it's a threat with or without it in some circumstances. A threat of a thing is that being taken from you, but the value that you attach to it can be traumatizing like a comfort item as a child. And my mom gave me something and I lose it. That can, I can, because that was part of my livelihood, mm-hmm. right? So I want people to understand you can't minimize. And I talk about different types of trauma, Um, understanding the impacts of trauma, but also how do we handle and manage trauma when I do my coaching and when I do my trainings? Like I know I have been gifted with the ability to take a leadership training and talk about it from trauma. So you as a leader can understand even your experience makes you a great leader, but how to recognize when someone comes in needing something that you remember that we've all had some type of traumatic experience and remember that if you, if me and you sitting here today, you just shared you've had 30 surgeries. But guess what? There's some light in there. But you have something in you that can help somebody else because you've been through it. 
Mm-hmm. And because that's in you, you have some skills, right? Right. You have some knowledge. You have some insight that gives you the power and the ability to help somebody else. So if you're wondering why, there, there's a there's a piece of it because mm-hmm. God's picture is always bigger. But it's like that strength, somebody need that. But I think that also helps us understand a little bit more about who you are because the things that we discover um, about ourselves or that we take away from our observations of other people explain who we are a bit. Your understanding of my circumstance gives me a bit of insight into who you are. Okay. So the motivation, what you've been through, right? The same way my journey has brought to me skill sets. I guess I do use them in the community to help women, to help people who've gone through whatever it may be. Um, some surgery situation. In my case, it's breast cancer, among other things. Okay. But I talk a lot about breast cancer with breast cancer patients and survivors and families. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to help them um, understand what to do, what questions to ask, how to yes. um, get the right care, how to advocate, advocate for themselves. And that is what you do in the space of what you've gone through. It helps you to that's the motivation. I've been through something and because I have taken the time to to not be afraid of it, but mm-hmm. to face it, to dissect it, I can now look at the pieces and how they've shaped me. Mm-hmm. And not that everything about how I've been shaped is perfect, but you take that and you help other people get through different parts of the path that they're on and to be better than they otherwise would be. And I think that that is huge. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm really intentional. I've always wanted to be a source and a resource of help for other people because I know what it's feel like not to have anybody. I know what it feels like if I look at the bottom of that barrel and feel like no, nothing's there besides the grace of God. If I could be that one face for somebody or that one voice, then I'm okay with that because it was just me and my boys. It always been me and my boys, me and my boys, me and my boys, me and my boys. And, and I'm not taking it away from none of my family, but at the heart of it, what I've given, I have not received. And when you get to a term like you grow up understanding things like you got to change your environment and sometimes you got to leave your family behind. But then you'd be like, well, why would you do that? And how could I do that? And we've been through so much. And then you wake up one day like, it's taking the life out of me. And if I don't get away from them and up out of it, I'm going to continue to drown and to really own, you've made a lot of progress in life, drowning. You've been drowning. And by the grace of God, you've been sustaining at the same time. The balance is nothing but in the grace of God for me. And I think that, I think the balance is in the grace of God for me as well. And really for many, but I, what you said about a spiritual practice, because mm-hmm. I don't either try to push force it off. people yeah. to do, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, for me, it is the sun and the moon. It is the end and the beginning is the alpha and the omega. Mm-hmm. And it is a Sunday morning where we are running out of time. <laughs> um, 
I have enjoyed so much talking with you. Thank you for coming on to share your time with me and to share your story. I want to make sure people can find you and get information. Okay. Lynn, just same. Um, I always ask my guests to share their social. So wherever people can keep up with you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe if they're interested in your books or want to have you come and talk to a group. Absolutely. Um, I think that you're phenomenal. And I have watched your story for many years. And so thank you for spending some time here in KUNV talking with us and our listening audience. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate this opportunity. So my um, Facebook is I am well, Facebook and Instagram is I am Lynn Jasames. And that's I A M L Y N N E J A S A M E S. I am Lynn Jasames. My TikTok is I am Lynn Jasames 7. That's my TikTok. My um, YouTube is Lynn Jasames, I think 77. <laughs> so seven is my spiritual seven number. Is number. Yeah, yeah, seven, seven is, is the my... number of completion. <laughs> so um, that's how you can. And then my website is www.lynnjasames.com. And you can, all my social handles are all there. Awesome. So they're all in one place. Awesome. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this Sunday morning chat as much as I have enjoyed this Sunday morning chat. Yeah. Thank you. And we're just uh, wishing to send somebody, start somebody's morning off just great and amazing with a good feeling. And I know it was a heavy conversation, but take away anything from it, balance (sighs) and, you know, hope and um, belief in self, self Mm self-care and transparency and being honest with oneself. I think you talked about that 2 a.m. conversation with God, which I call that prayer closet. And sometimes he just wakes you up. I I just did that the other day. Meditate. For me, read the Bible, but at least meditate. Take a minute to to see why you're waking up, especially if it's consistent. But hope, balance, self-care, transparency, and bet on yourself. To beat the odds. To beat the odds. Yeah. Lynn St. James, thank you for hanging out on The Scoop with me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful day and a great week. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.